0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Enterprising Gen Z Podcast. This is the weekly show where we talk some of the top entrepreneurs and industry professionals from around the world to inspire and empower the next generation of young founders. The Enterprising Gen Z Podcast has been listened to in 45 countries around the world. Last week we were listened to for the first time in Finland, so thank you so much to all of our Finnish listeners. Now what I also want to do is give you a bit of an update about how the podcast is going and a bit about our analytics. And I'm really happy to announce that we've charted as one of the top business and entrepreneurship podcasts in Italy, France, and Germany. Thank you to all of our listeners which have made this happen. Now for any new listeners we have, my name is Sam Watson. I'm a 19 year old entrepreneur, originally from North London, now living in Paris. I'm the CEO and founder of Enterprising Gen Z Events. We're an events company which allows you to market your products towards a unique audience of Gen Z entrepreneurs and professionals. On today's episode, I'm talking to Rayan Ahmed. Now Rayan launched his first business when he was only 15, and it's only gone up from there. Now at 17, he's had two successful businesses and is also a member of the Google Z Council. His work mainly focuses about how companies can better connect with Gen Z. So that's what we're going to focus on in this episode. We're also going to chat about how Rayan found a co-founder for his business when he was only 15. In addition, some of Rayan's clients range from startups to Fortune 500 companies. So I'm interested in how Rayan actually managed to acquire these clients in the first place. Without further ado, let's get right into it. But before we do, please, if you do enjoy this episode, feel free to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening from and head over to our socials. It's at EnterprisingGenZPod on TikTok and on Instagram. And check out our website, egzpod.com. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, so we met literally, I think it was last week or maybe two weeks ago on this cool panel that we were doing and the stuff you're talking about, how help, like helping brands connect with Gen Z and that kind of stuff. I find it really interesting. So I thought it'd be great to have you as a guest on the show. Um, before we start, do you want to introduce yourself and say who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm Rayon, I'm from the New York city area and I'm basically a 17 year old entrepreneur. And I'm mean, right now I'm focusing on building, basically I'm, I'm building a, An agency that helps different brands and Fortune 500s better engage Gen Z through marketing and insights.
0: Awesome. So I was reading through your LinkedIn earlier and you're only 17 now and you've been working within like kind of the entrepreneurship space since you were 15, um, which is kind of crazy. Like I was still playing FIFA and Fortnite when I was 15. So that's, that's pretty mental. So congratulations. Well done to you. I want to firstly start on the company, which you co-founded. So you co-founded a company called Raise Tech, um, in 2020, um, when you were 15.
1: Um, I just want to know kind of what that was. Yeah, for sure. And, um, one other thing is, uh just wanted to add that I, I mean, I honestly also played FIFA during when I was 15. I just kind of did both, right? Just like spent a little bit less time. But um, so Race Technologies was basically um, my first entry into entrepreneurship. And I mean, for some people, you can start small. Some people can start like all, all from the top. But for me, it was just, it wasn't about kind of going big. It was more just about what can I do to help out during the pandemic? Because 2020 was a big pandemic lockdown time, right? And um, that really came from the fact that uh, a lot of different businesses in my area they were struggling to get online, right? Because um, lockdown, people can't come to your, they can't come to your business, they can't come, they can't come in person. But so you need like a website, you need a maybe a good social media marketing, you need to get on these websites like you get these on these platforms like Grubhub, Uber Eats. So you need to have some type of online presence. And what we did is we basically gave them, we basically used our own experience growing up with technology, being like digital natives to kind of uh, help them out with that. So we had um, some kids from, I had some kids from my school that were good in technology. I had them like start to build websites. Um, I and my co-founder, we would start to build, we would start to build like relationships with different small businesses around an area to really um, sell them on the fact that like, hey, we can help for a very low cost. And um, we did other stuff like social media marketing. So that's kind of where that came from. And how over the next like few months, we really started to help out a couple of different comp- uh, small businesses. I love that story. It's super
0: inspiring. It kind of just shows if you're a 15 year old, you don't know what to do yourself. Just, just do something, start something. Uh, I think that's so cool. Um, you mentioned your co-founder just then, and obviously you were 15 at the time. Um, how did you go about finding a co-founder for your business?
1: Yeah. So it's interesting because, I mean, my, my story is a little bit, it's a little bit kind of like, I guess in a way, if you consider it like basic, because um, I found my co-founder through my high school actually. So my high school is a little bit different. It's called like a magnet school. So we find are it's split up into different academies, right? And, um, basically, so if you're interested in business, there is a business academy for people like you. So you can always kind of, um, meet other people that are interested in business. And I have, I've met kind of so many different people. And one of the other people that I met was my co-founder Sahil and he, I kind of went to them, we kind of decided that we need to help somehow, um, during the pandemic because we knew that we had a lot more free time and we knew that, um, both of us were really passionate about the cause. So I kind of reached out to him and I said like, Hey, I want to do something. I don't know what yet. And I don't know how, I don't know how, but I want to do something. Do you think you'd be down? And that's kind of how we started. Um, so it's, I met him through school and then kind of, I reached out to him because I knew that he was also kind of passionate about helping out.
0: And has he kind of stayed, um, as involved in entrepreneurship as you have or is he kind of like a normal teenager, I guess?
1: <laughs> it's, uh, it's a mix. I think like he's, see for me, entrepreneurship has also become like a thing where um, it's gone beyond just founding a company, right? Entrepreneurship for me is also reaching out to people, meeting new people like meeting you, um, going to different events. Oh, It's kind of always on. And um, so it's interesting because I think Saho is definitely like, he's still very involved in the company. He's also done a great job in, um, helping me out, helping like growing the company overall. So I think overall he's pretty much stayed an entrepreneur. I don't know if he's gone to as many, many events and met as many people, but he's definitely has done a great job and sticking with the company and helping out whatever he can.
0: And staying with raise tech, your job, your CEO at the start, and now you've, um, you've changed your role to board member. Um, how come you moved, you kind of changed roles and, and what you're up to now?
1: Yeah. So the focus of race technology changes changed after that few months, because the idea is we started because we wanted to help out during the pandemic. Right. But three months on the road, most of the businesses in like New Jersey that we saw, if they needed help, they would go to like a professional company or they already had found that help. Right. They didn't, it's like, they didn't really need us anymore. So we had to kind of change our business model to focus on, okay, how do we become more professional? Like other companies, how to become more like a tech consulting agency. Right. And, um, Now that's fine. Definitely. Like, I definitely think it's interesting, but tech, like tech consulting really isn't, wasn't like something that I wanted to go, like one that I thought had a future myself had a future. And so, um, we found someone that was, we had someone that was kind of like a long-term helper and long-term, like someone that long time, like had us helped us for a long time. And we thought that they would be kind of like a good, um, person to lead Race Tech kind of in the future and work with the different clients. And then I think Saho stayed on for um, an extended role for a little bit too. But um, I mean, I, I, as a board member, my role is really to help out wherever I can and help out. Like if, I, if they have to give advice on how to get clients and, or how to build connections, or if they need my help reaching out to someone, I'm always there. But day-to-day operations, I'm not kind of constantly reaching out to people or constantly helping out.
0: I think that's, that's cool. And it's nice that you kind of, we're going to get onto your new venture now. Um, but also I was interested in when you kind of find your clients throughout the pandemic, you're 15 years old, you're speaking to businesses saying, Hey, look, I can provide a service. Are you interested, you know, pitching to them. Um, I found in my experience of selling pitching, my age has always been a benefit. Um, so it's always been, um, whenever I start a pitch, it's, Hey, my name's Sam when I was pitching, I was 18. I haven't done any pitches since I'm 19, but I've gone, Hey, I'm Sam. I'm 18 years old. Can I pitch you a product? I need two minutes. And they all say, yeah, sure, please do. But I think there's there's a fine line between being like young and semi-experienced to 15, where someone might turn around and say, you're just too young to feel like you're providing any value. Do you think that your age has held you back at all? Or do you think it was actually a benefit and helped you get some like
1: more clients involved or uh, onboard? See, it's really been both. Um, so originally, when I started, so small businesses are a little bit more cautious. They don't have, um, they don't have as much money to spend. They're more usually family owned, right? They it's more about trust than anything. It's like reputational value. It, it's it's kind of so much to be um, involved there. And a fifteen-year-old, um, I mean, ultimately this this is somebody's whole lifestyle, right? So they they don't really want to. Put that into the hands of a fifteen-year-old, usually. So it was tough originally, um, and I, I would, uh, we would honestly like, we would, we would still start off with the fact that we were fifteen, just because we wanted to be straightforward with them, so they, we weren't leading them on to thinking they were, they were doing something else, uh, or that we were someone else that we weren't. But um, honestly, like I think the only way we kind of convinced them, or, or um, early on, and honestly we got a lot of no's, but the only way we got really convinced them was through the fact that. Um, okay, we're 15, but that, that can also be a huge benefit, right? We grew up with technology, something like websites come na- not natural, but are easier for us to kind of understand. And, and I had a, like a, we had like a team from our school that would, that, that knew how to code knew how to like create websites. Right. So, um, something like that, we had to kind of pitch it to them and took a lot of tries, honestly, like it wasn't perfect. It wasn't like from the start, we knew what we were doing, but we kind of perfected, maybe not even perfected. We just got better at selling um, overall, and it, it held us back with small businesses. But I think with something like raise consulting, where we we're working with larger and larger companies, it's probably been more of a benefit.
0: You talked about you got a lot of no's. Did that kind of did that dishearten you at all, or did you kind of just take it in your stride and go for it?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think it's because I understood that I understood where they're coming from, right, and. Um, it, it's for me. It's always been like I've always heard different things. Like if if you kind of give up at the first obstacle, you're never really gonna get it, get anywhere, right? Because no matter no matter where you are, you're always you're always gonna face problems. You're always gonna face obstacles. So for me, it was more like okay, well, I understand where they're coming from. How can I kind of solve that instead of okay, well, this is bad. Maybe I should switch up because ultimately, at 15 years old, there's not much you can do anywhere else, right? Like, um, yeah, I mean, unless you want to create some like groundbreaking product, you're you're not going to really. Make that type of difference or be able to help anyone out. So, um, and I thought this is somewhere where it's gonna be hard, but we can actually make an impact. So I kind of, kind of, st- I kind of stuck with it for at least those few months, and um, it kind of ended up working out.
0: Awesome! I love that story. It's it's so awesome. I mean. Um, hopefully for the listeners, like younger, if that can you know inspire who to get started now, that's fantastic. Um, so now I want to move on to um your newer venture, Raise Consulting. Um, so this is more about kind of in, um helping companies engage with a group of Gen Z consumers. Um, can you expand a bit on what you guys do?
1: Yeah, so so we're a Gen Z marketing. See, so we focus on two different areas: insights and marketing. So insights would be something like focus groups, um, different different areas where we can kind of, uh, deep dive onto data, right? Like there, one of our, like, I guess, unique value is that, um, so Gen Z, there's so much Gen Z data out there, right? Like you're constantly see, like I have a Google alerts on, and you'll constantly see articles come out. Like new article says that Gen Z is this or Gen Z is that right. And a lot of this data is okay. It's not, it's, it's good to have, it's good to have out there, but you need to have kind of like a deep dive to figure out exactly why it's something's like that, or, Maybe some, maybe some type piece of data is not telling you the full information. So something like that is where I think we can kind of help out and we can basically give them context behind some of this data. So that's insights and then marketing would be something like influencer marketing or social media social media marketing, like figuring out how to um, manage social medias or something like brand ambassador programs. Um, because all of those really are newer methods, right Like people in the 60s the 70s, they didn't really have brand ambassador programs as much. They didn't really have social media at all, and even influencer marketing has changed so much. Um, before, when it, when people used to focus on celebrities, now it's Instagram influencers, right? So, um, the kind of the game has kind of changed, and um, we've like in comparison to everyone else, we've really grown up with stuff like brand ambassador programs or social media and influencer marketing programs. So we thought that it would be a good way to really show our expertise and kind of ha- still make an impact.
0: Um, so, so I was reading through your LinkedIn earlier, and you've kind of, you, you discuss your, um, clients. So you said that they range from startups to fortune 500 companies. I'm interested in how you managed to land, you know, like partnerships or, or deals or do work for fortune 500 companies. How'd you kind of get your foot in the door to work with them in the first place?
1: See, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't like a, I guess, great answer, but mine is just cold emailing. Um, I, I always tell when somebody asks me, I've always tell people to kind of go to this TEDx talk. So there's this woman uh, named Batty Bregman, and she's she wrote about the power of cold emailing and how she really has done a such a great job in like contacting people and con- like and getting advice and got, getting clients from these different uh from places you wouldn't know. Like she's worked with the NFL, she's worked with uh, Taco Bell, and all these different companies. So I've always kind of been inspired with that. So. I kind of learned the power of cold emailing that um, you're gonna to have to send a lot of cold emails, cold emails, but it's it can make a huge impact overall. So that's kind of how you get in the, your foot in the door, and you kind of start with something like you start with your age because these guys they get hundreds of emails, right? So you need something to differentiate yourself, and you you want to be you want to look like you're selling something different, and the biggest unique value that I have is the fact that I'm young and I'm helping them engage young people. So it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a no brainer offer. So we want to get them engaged with the fact that, Hey, I'm 17 and then kind of pull them in more by saying, okay, well I've worked with these companies and I think it could help you guys in this area too. So that's really how we've really been able to work with some of these companies. Awesome.
0: Now I have done a lot of cold emailing for partnerships. Some of it's been very successful in me getting like a call with some big enterprise companies. Um, I had one recently with a company worth like tens of billions of, of pounds. Um, I was interested how you structure your cold emails to get a client, like what, what are you putting in them to make sure, you know, you get that initial phone call, that initial meeting.
1: Yeah. So it, it it's, it's kind of shifted over the course of the last few years, um, as I've kind of gotten more experienced. So it's really, I've, I've kind of learned to kind of keep it simple because, um, so I would start with, Hey, I'm 17 years old. I'm a Cinzia entrepreneur. So kind of like a basic introduction of myself. So they know who I am and I establish some credibility. Like we've worked with this company, like we work, like I'll say we work with Intuit and Heinz, right? So those are two big companies that most people would know of. So I would, I would kind of put them in, to establish credibility and then kind of give them the offer. So something like, okay, depending on whatever it is, maybe I heard your social media team has made a change or is I heard social media is becoming a focus, um, for you guys. And we have this experience. We have this, uh, we have this great team that we can kind of help you out with, um, managing your social media accounts or influencer marketing or whatever the, whatever the case is, or maybe your I heard your consumer insights department is, um, looking for Gen Z experts. We can reach out to help. So it's, it's a variety of things, but it's basically the basic structure is, um, Introduction, establishing credibility, and then something like the offer, and then just keep it short, like saying, we hope to hear from you again, or let me know if you have any questions, or I would love to get on a quick call at the end and say, and that's really it. You want to keep it short and simple, I think more than anything. I just want to add on
0: to what you said there. I found that this last line really, really works and it's, I'd love to get on a call with you. Can you do this day or this day and actually propose two times for them because it makes them so easy, it makes it much easier for them to say yes i found just in my experience so from your work um kind of with with partnering and working for these companies um how
1: can companies generally kind of connect with Gen Z? first thing is i think but the most important thing is really understanding us first off because really I, I, what i found is like so the, the way the company decision making works is so the insights department is really the first area. So this is where they, um, this department of a company, they'll basically give whatever they have on the certain generation. That's what marketing will use to really um, come up with their marketing tools, right? So basically, I guess, if you want to say like the core of kind of engaging Gen Z is first understanding them, right? So this could be, okay, well, maybe commission some data sh- uh, studies, um, whatever it is, you want to you have that data on hand, but you also want to really understand what or like, why behind the data. So for example, something like um, people say that Gen Z has a very short attention span, right? But at the same time, that, so that's the data, right? But at the same time, I um, most engineers will say, will tell you that they're, if they find a really good show, they'll binge, binge watch it for hours, right? So how could that make sense if it's an eight, eight second attention span? So the difference I think is that like, well, eight seconds for ads, but it's also because we're so accustomed to having ads thrown at us that were usually like eight seconds to figure out if this is something I want to watch or if this this is something that I I want to continue looking at, right? Now, if you make your whole marketing strategy just based off those eight seconds and you make like short videos or whatever your content is for eight seconds, even if um, in comparison, like maybe you could have made like a 20 second video or a minute video that would be more interesting or more like less rushed, but you, you decide, okay, based on those eight seconds, I got to capture Gen Z. So whatever the case is, you could completely mess up your marketing strategy or completely, I guess, ha- miss some opportunities there. So the first idea is one, understanding Gen Z correctly and so really meeting us where we are. Um, so I guess like, you, I mean, most people already know this, but print advertising and newspaper advertising and TV advertising, that's not really the way to go anymore, anymore, but even something like social media has become so like overused, right? Like you don't want to just pedal ads on Instagram or on Snapchat or on YouTube, you want to kind of go beyond that. So it could be using your social media account for good. Like people, people like different companies have used um, comedy on their accounts. Like Duolingo, they they, they do an amazing job of um, really kind of engaging Gen Z, not even like through a straight ad, right? They, they don't really, it's not like they advertise themselves, but they use their own logo and kind of do funny skits. And because of that, people talk about Duolingo people, um, it gets, in, it gets in people's head and, and then they think of Duolingo later on. Like if there is any language app in the world right now that I think of first, I always think of Duolingo. And that's probably because of their their social media presence. So something like that is where is what I would also suggest. Like you want to meet us where we are. So it could be through social media. It could be through brand ambassador programs and colleges, right? Um, Gen Z listens to more of their friends and family. So again, like a brand ambassador program, if, you, if you're authentic enough, can really go a long way.
0: One thing I found, and I I want to get your opinion on this, um, of of what I'm about to say. So I think Gen Z as a um group of people, we've got really, really bad FOMO, so fear of missing out. Um and I found that if a company um advertises something and then they make you feel like you're going to miss out if you don't buy it then and there, they're much more likely to get um, you know, more engagement from Gen Z. I was just wondering what you what you thought and if you thought that was true or not. Because that's something
1: I've read in quite a few articles. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because fear of missing out. So it's got to be something like, it's got to be something like actually cool. It's something you need to engage them first, right? So if it's fear of missing out for something, like they wouldn't care. Like if I'm not into sports and I'm missing out on a sports ticket giveaway, then I, like I wouldn't care. And I, I'm assuming you wouldn't either. But you, if, if you can engage the right audience and then it kind of showed that fear of missing out that I think, I think it can go a long way. And I don't, I, mean, I don't even think that's just Gen Z. I think it's just overall, um, most generations, if you kind of show that, okay, well, you're going to miss out on this and I know you're a big fan or I know that you really like this product, but you're going to miss out on free, I don't know, free products, right? So I, I think fear of missing out could be a, could be a great tool. It's just got to be re- used the right way. And hit the right audience for it to work the best.
0: I was also wondering because we've talked about how um, companies can attract Gen Z. From your work in kind of analyzing um, how companies are marketing towards Gen Z, do you think there are any things that companies which are doing wrong which actually repels Gen Z and makes them less attracted to whatever your whatever product or service you're selling?
1: Yeah, I think that I think it's also so part of it's kind of authenticity, right? I, I, there's a lot of companies that have come in the news that will publicly say one thing and then like privately support something else. And then they get exposed for it. Right. So that immediately becomes, okay, well you'll get canceled on Twitter. You'll get, you'll get basically boycotted, right? There there have been companies in the past that have been boycotted. Um, and it's really hurt them in the long run, right? Like some companies, they, they never really recover and they go either bankrupt. They just never come back. Um, so it's more about one, sticking to your values, being authentic. Okay. If you, if you want to conduct business a certain way, make sure you kind of be open about it, right? Don't, don't do some Sadie stuff in the back. So that's one thing I would also say really, um, repel, I guess would be just, um, not really meeting our ideals. Like, I guess, like I, I talked about authenticity, but you want to actually kind of make a change. So you may be authentic, but if you're really like, you're not focused on, um, climate change at all. You don't, you don't want to donate at all. You don't want to help with diversity inclusion. You don't want to do any of that. Then ultimately, like, I mean, Gen Z's values, most of them. And the other thing about Gen Z that I guess I forgot to say is that Gen Z is so diverse, right? So like you can be saying one thing here, but some Gen Z across the world, they could be completely different ideas. But I think for the most part, right? um, You want to really meet Gen Z values. So you want to first focus on what type of, Gen Z or you want to target, right? Cause there's so many different niches, but second, you don't want to really like, you want to be firm on a cause, right? So you want to be like, okay, so climate change or diversity inclusion or whatever it is, you want to be firm on it. And you don't really want to be that middle man because ultimately like the person in the middle is the person that loses out the most just because no side is supporting them, right? On one side, if you're really, if you're really for climate change, then you won't be supported by them. And if you're really against climate change, you won't be supported by those people anyway. So it's kind of like, you want to, you want to be firm, you want to be authentic. That's what I would say.
0: So it's interesting. You mentioned authenticity. I made a post on my Instagram, um, where I compared during pride Month the like general accounts of different companies towards their like middle Eastern accounts. So for example, during pride months, BMW, Mercedes, um, Cisco were all posting like pride months, pride flag logos. However, on their Middle Eastern accounts, where the you know um, homosexuality isn't as accepted they didn't change the logo, which I guess is kind of about the that, those value points that you were putting across, about if you're not transparent, if you're not authentic with your values, you can get caught out. Um, there was about five or six companies which did this. I made a post about it on my LinkedIn because I thought, I thought it was really bad, uh, but I think it's it's interesting you mentioned that. Um, so also, again, in terms of, um, you talked about socials earlier, if you would advise companies to target Gen Z through one social, What social
1: would that be? It's got to be TikTok now, for now. Um, Because, I mean, Instagram, everyone's figured out Instagram, right? And TikTok, people are figuring out more and more, but it's still not a complete, like, completely figured out. Like, Instagram, people have yet had years to figure out. TikTok, it's been maybe like two, three years so far. So it's still got to be TikTok. And if you do well on TikTok, you can still get a lot of views and grow a lot. Like, Instagram is much harder right now because there's so many different accounts on there. There's so many different people on there um and it's just a different te- it's just photo based app right so um every, everyone's kind of got used to it but something like short video short short form video that's still that's still like a relatively new concept so if if i if there had to be a social media account it would be tiktok maybe something like be real or i guess like tiktok's alternative like tiktok now maybe that will become prominent in the future but for now i would say tiktok
0: i would agree with you there i think the engagement the analytic not the analytics sorry the um algorithm. It works so well, um, for people to grow organically and also connect with us. I think we have a billion users now, most of which are Gen Z. Um, I'm also interested, have you ever used Facebook in your entire life?
1: No, I've never used Facebook. Neither have
0: I. And it's interesting when you think there are still companies trying to target Gen Z on Facebook and there's still Facebook ad marketing agencies out there. Um, I was interested to why you think as a generation,
1: we just don't use Facebook I mean it's it's mainly well one it's not I think it's mainly because like when I was growing up, I always thought like Facebook was for my parents really it's more of a older generation thing and I grew up with knowing that they were on it and that all my friends are on Instagram right so um of course like i would I would kind of go on to Instagram and pick that earlier I think it's more like it's more like all the influencers all the All the people that were creating content that was like considered cool for me, like younger, like contact content um, that was targeted towards younger age people was really on Instagram at that point. Instagram or YouTube, right? It wasn't Facebook. There are Facebook marketing agencies out there, but I think YouTube and Instagram did that a lot better earlier on. And just the, I guess the overall aesthetic for uh, Instagram was a little bit different than Facebook's. Facebook was targeted towards that older millennial audience. Maybe like baby boomers, and they were like kind of broadening their perspective. Um, while Instagram really stayed to its, at the, at, like when I first started, it was kind of like just a photo app, right? And um, there wasn't a lot of videos on there. It was mostly just photos sharing about um, your close friends, etc. So I, I mean, for me, I think uh, Facebook is, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just, if you want to put it in one sentence, it's probably because like it's where older people were at and the, the people that were like kind of really targeted to me or like important to me were more on Instagram. Right.
0: No, I think, I think you're, I think you're right. I actually I take some of my friends about this because I was interested about the reasons why. Um, and also another thing, it's actually quite complicated to use. I don't know if you've like tried It's It's genuinely really complicated. Like I, I, as a Gen Z, as a Gen Z, -er, I can't figure out how to use it. Um, another thing I want to ask you about is, do you think, because TikToks become massive and it's kind of sprung out of nowhere, it's been around for what, three, four years now, I think? Maybe more, probably more to be honest. And now you've got YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, and then I'm sure that Instagram is going to kind of copy, be real. I'm sure there's going to be like a Instagram Instagram Minute or something, something like that. I'm sure it's going to come along. Do you think it's bad that socials are kind of homogenizing um, and trying to copy each other and Instagram is moving away from Instagram and kind of homogenizing all of these other socials into like one mega platform.
1: Yeah, I personally don't like it because I think. Well, I mean, so there's different perspectives. So from like a marketing perspective, um, if you didn't do well on TikTok and you're for some reason not doing well on TikTok, you can use Reels and YouTube Shorts and get like so many views, right? Um, whatever the case. So that's one perspective. But I guess from my own perspective, I think, like personal perspective. I honestly think that they should be separate, and I understand why they're doing it from a business perspective. It's more well, I, everyone wants to be that same app, like that one app that can do it all, right? Like TikTok is copied, BeReal, TikTok is um is they, they didn't. I don't think they've copied Instagram, but they've they've kind of want to become like a broader. Um, I mean, they they have stories now, so they they want to become a broader platform. Instagram's copied like they tried to copy YouTube with like IGTV, then they had. Um, they had like stories which they copied from snapchat and they had reels so they've been doing this for a while and then um uh, uh, like snapchat like they they whatever they have their own tiktok platform or something like that too so all of these i know what they're trying to do from a business perspective they don't want to become irrelevant but at the same time it's just making all of them the same right like um at some point if reels becomes big enough and tiktok copies enough of instagram's um features they're both going to be the same exact platform really like is it, is it really worth to have both of them there at that point? So it, it's a weird, it's a, I, I think it's, it's just weird. Um, personally, business wise, I mean, they got to do what they got to do to survive. Right. So that's, I guess what I would pretty much say.
0: Yeah. I think it's hard for socials to be, to kind of stay relevant now. Um and I think yeah I I think I really dislike navigating through Instagram now because you like you tap on a video and it turns into a reel and all the like you scroll through and you're stuck in the reels thing and like I don't like navigating the platform anymore. Um, I used to really like it, but I think maybe it's just because humans don't like change. I guess you're also part of the Google Z Council. Um, I'd love to learn a bit more about your role there and kind of how that works.
1: Yeah, so the Google Z Council. So it's it's a like. It's a, it's a program where they basically, you work with Google's insider product teams on, um, you really, you basically work with them to kind of help them better understand Gen Z and then you basically kind of help them create better products for the future. Um, so it's really like you'll have different meetings, you'll have, you'll have different meetings with them, you'll have different assignments for them, from them, and basically it all kind of goes that comes together. Like it's not just me. It's like, I think 15, 20 other people. It also, it all comes together for them to become, to be like their product, their insights team uses that and then uh, helps out. And that helps out, that like insight helps out their products teams to come up with better products in the future. Um, so it's, it's really like, us working with their insights teams to kind of give them our opinions on specific topics.
0: And is a council is is it kind of made up of people like you?
1: I think so kind of, and they want to have a diverse perspective. So it's not all entrepreneurs, but it is like all people that are like passionate (laughs) about what they do. So it's I've I've met musicians on there. There have been content creators on there. Um, Really, they've been, there's really all types of people. As long as they're in Gen Z, I think it's like um, anywhere from like 17 to 26, they kind of allow. So Any, like anywhere from that age, um, they don't, they don't kind of discriminate. They want, they want to have a diverse range of audiences from um, really across the US and across the UK. It sounds, it sounds
0: really cool. I mean, um, I think more companies should be doing more Gen Z engagement because I look at some of the marketing strategies and some companies are just missing the mark. Like they're just not doing it right. Um, Now I want to move back to uh, Raise Consulting. What's next for you guys? You know, what's the future?
1: Yeah, so... Really, I mean, really only recently have we been able to work with these bigger, bigger companies, right? So the features have had to become, not only work with them more, like work with more companies, but also work with these companies in a larger and larger capacity. So right now, if we do like one insights engagement or one marketing engagement, we want to be able to help out their whole marketing team, right? Or their whole insights department. So we want to have like a bigger role. And ultimately, we want to be able to really help out the leadership too, because Gen Z Overall, is become going to be become more important all over, right? Not just not just marketing and insights, but also become more important because you got to recruit Gen Z. You like they're any of the like, current events that um, we kind of face. Gen Z's a pretty much a pivotal role. Like when companies decide how they want to handle something, they want to have like this. They need to have this Gen Z opinion, like a Gen Z voice at the table. So they're not just assuming what we want. They actually kind of know. So I think we want to, the idea is not only to work with more and more companies in the Fortune 500, but also in a bigger capacity.
0: Now I want to ask a bit more of a personal question. Um, so obviously you're 17. Um, college, is that, is college next year or the year after for you? It's ne- uh, next year, yeah. Are you going to kind of stick with what you're doing at the moment in entrepreneurship because you're super established in kind of your space at the moment? Or are you going to go to college? Because, you know, you probably have less time to work on what you're doing at the moment. Um, and I guess for you, maybe a degree isn't so relevant. Um, I was just wondering what your plans are and and what you're thinking of doing next year.
1: Yeah, I think, so colleges for me is um, definitely a yes. Like I've been kind of going through applications recently. Um, and I know, so I, I've heard so many, I've met so many different entrepreneurs actually that have said different things to me. They Some people have told me like, um, college is a waste of time. It's not going to give you anything. Some people have said, well, I mean, it can give you a different experience. It can help you build connections, and I, I think I'd want to experience it for myself before really listening to other ideas. And um, whether the degree is important or not, there are so many different schools out there that can give you, that can give you access to great professors that can give you great, like they can help you on so many ways. A lot of these professors at top universities they have corporate experience, right, which could be invaluable for you. And some of these professors you wouldn't be able to kind of. Being able to meet them if I was just a regular entrepreneur not in their college or not in their university so um, I think for me college is gonna be college is there as, as an option and um, at least for the first few years I want to really try it out and see how much it can help me and I don't that doesn't mean I'm gonna stop being an entrepreneur it just means that like kind of like so far throughout my high school like I, I like I guess like if you want to call it a career I've have I've had to uh, really make time on the side for raise. So I'm going to keep kind of do that and become more and more efficient or at least try to become more and more efficient. So stuff that actually like is helping the company the most, I can spend time on and maybe I can delegate some other tasks to other people in my company.
0: Um, So lastly, my last question is, if you could describe a top or successful entrepreneur in three words, what three words would they be and
1: why? Um, Passionate, uh, resilient, and... I guess like creative, I think. So a top entrepreneur, I passion, passionate. It's kind of obvious, right? You, you deal with the roadblock. The only way you're getting through is if you're actually like passionate about what you're doing. If you, if you're doing it because of external forces, like you want to look good, you want to, you want to seem smart, whatever it is, you're going to, you're going to kind of fail. You're going to really give up at that first, um, at that first kind of, um, obstacle that you face so there's that one same thing with resilient you have to be able to kind of deal with problems even if you are passionate but you're not a resilient person you, as an entrepreneur you're going to you're gonna meet so many problems so many people are going to say no so many people are going to say something like well you should switch your business you should switch whatever you're doing your business idea is not going to work whatever they're going to say you're going to you're going to meet a lot of people like that right and if you're if you're resilient you can kind of get through and you can maybe make it make it make it maybe grow your product enough to really um, kind of have a great product or a great company one day. So resilient and then out of like creative or like an out of, out of the box thinker. Um, I think the coolest thing about entrepreneurs is usually they don't, they're not bound by like, like a big corporate structure, right? Usually like it's maybe them, maybe their co-founder, maybe a couple other people under them. But, um, the coolest thing about entrepreneurship is that usually entrepreneurs are bringing like a cool, innovative idea that is out of the box. Right. And that means that they are also usually out of the box thinkers in kind of working their way up or growing their company. So it could be something like for me, it was cold emailing, which isn't totally out of the box, but it isn't like the main way people contact. right? So it could be so many different ways, like um, working with different partners. Maybe you find out an innovative way to really grow your company, whatever it is. I think those three ideas are probably or those three words are probably the best way to describe uh, a great entrepreneur. All
0: right. Well, I think that's everything for today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been amazing talking to you and super interesting as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was, it was cool to talk to you. Absolutely. No worries. So that is it for today's episode of the Enterprising Gen Z podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure to tune in next week for another episode. <laughs>